The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 104 The Showroom 1883, April 22nd, Paris, France I sat in the chair in front of Pollux's desk. I no longer sat on the examination table, and I felt over time Pollux had begun to treat me more like an adult than the child I had been. It helped that Penelope had stopped attending our therapy sessions. She felt she could trust us not to hurt each other, and I might be more open without her in the room. Okay, Helen. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Please do your best to answer them honestly. Sessions over the years had always begun with this statement. Always the same three questions to begin. I wondered if I could break him of this habit. Can I ask you the questions this time? I smiled at him, my hands folded in my lap, my back straight and at attention. What good would it do to ask me the questions? He wondered. Well, not the same questions. Different ones, like, when am I going home? When we feel you are no longer a danger to yourself or any suitor your father may choose for you. I do not feel I am a danger to myself. And how are you to determine whether or not I am a danger to any suitor if I've never met any suitor? To begin with, for the last six years you have done everything you can not to answer the questions honestly. And in assessing your mental health, if you do not answer the questions honestly, I know on some level you're still hiding a piece of yourself. I cannot truly know you if you don't truly ever let me in. How am I to know whether or not you're healthy? I have been honest. I have not been honest. I have been funny. I have been stoic. I have answered the questions thousands of times. How can I answer them correctly so that you will understand that I'm not crazy? How can I answer them so you will let me go home? Who are you? You know who I am. Please, give me a chance. Answer me honestly and I will explain everything to you. Who are you? I am Helen of Troy. Who am I? Do you really want to know? You've never asked that before. Why are you asking this now? I want to know if you will ever trust me. I think if I know who you think I am, I will know whether or not you understand why you're here and not in New York. You are Pollux. Your brother? I'm your brother? Well, not in this life, but an old one. Why would you think that? I don't believe I was given the opportunity to have a childhood most people have. I wouldn't know what it's like, but I've read books, and in those books they describe what a brother is. Brothers are kind, even though they tease you. They're helpful, and at the same time somehow a rival. They're your friend, and when you're both bored you play games together. You've been kind to me. You've played games with me since we've met. The questions are not a game. But they were to me. And you knew that, and you played anyway. I don't know when I will ever leave this place. I think when I do, I will remember you fondly. I will miss you, big brother. Then will you trust me? I trust you. 
Then answer my questions honestly, completely. Show me that you understand reality, my reality. Show me that you understand the difference between fiction and fact. If you can do that, then we can find a way to move forward from here. Will you do that for me? Just this once. That is all I will need. Okay, go ahead. I gave my permission. I sat back in my chair, I closed my eyes, and I listened for him to begin. What day is it? It's April 22nd, 1883. We are in Paris, France, and somewhere in the world at this very moment the day has not yet begun, and is still April 21st, somewhere in the West. Who is the President of the United States? It should be James Garfield, but he was assassinated, so Chester A. Arthur is finishing his term. Very good. How did you know that? Well, you've asked me this question thousands of times, and I have taken to keeping track. After all, how can I avoid the correct answer if I don't know what it is? So you admit you are purposefully dodging these questions? I promise to be honest, and the honest answer is yes. I think we both knew that. Okay. What is your name? In this life, I was born Helen Taggart. But in lives past, I have had many, many names. Some I can speculate at. Some, I'm sure, are lost to history. But the most famous, and I am led to believe the original, is Helen of Troy. Although that's a misnomer. It should be Helen of Sparta, since she was once the Queen of Sparta. As for the name Taggart, I would prefer not to use it any longer. Everything that has happened to me, the governor of New York, the death of my mother, my exile here, has led me to a place where I no longer trust or believe my father has my best interests at heart. I believe he has betrayed me again and again, and one day he will betray me one last time. Thank you. That was very detailed and honest. How old are you now? He asked. I sat up and looked at him. That's not one of the questions. I'm just curious. I'm 16. Why did you kill the governor of New York? I tried to answer, but I couldn't. I stayed quiet. In the past, I have asked you this question, and you have never answered it. I know it's difficult. That's why I rarely ask it of you. But it's important to assess your mental state. Try to answer it, honestly, however you want. Whatever it is you want to say, you may say it now. I will not judge you. I will not question you further about it. I just ask that you be honest. That's a story I cannot tell. I've tried. For years, I've tried to answer you, to say something, but I've failed. I'm not trying to be combative. I just can't answer the question. When I look back, I don't see anything there. I've been told what happened, and I know the memory of it's there. I can feel it, but I can't see it. Does that make any sense? I'm sorry. Does that make me crazy? No. It's common in moments like the one you've lived through to block them out. I'm not surprised by your answer, and you're not the only one to suffer like this. It's not unusual. 
It's not uncommon. And I do not think you're crazy. Okay? Really? <laughs> really. And if you had been honest with me years ago, I would have told you that then. How long have you been torturing yourself with this? The whole time. It seems so silly now. Thank you for this. Thank you for being honest. We have done more work today than we have in years. I have one last question, and it's for my own curiosity. So feel free to answer it. It will not affect the way I think of you. Okay, go ahead. What is my name? Pollux asked. I once again froze. I smiled and almost giggled. I don't know. I only know you as Pollux, or the doctor. I'm sure at some point you told me your name. And I have to admit, though I'm very fond of you, I forgot. It's possible I never knew. So, sorry. That's okay. I'm Pierre Laurent. But you can just call me the doctor if you'd like. Would you like a candy? Yes, please! <laughs> the doctor sat with Penelope and Odysseus, having tea in the barn they used as their home. Helen is still hiding something, possibly even from herself, and her insistence on clinging to the fantasy of Helen of Troy still has me concerned. But as for her grip on reality, she has proven that she understands what is going on, and even within her delusion, she understands what is fantasy and what is reality, even if she chooses to live in the fantasy. Pollux explained to Penelope as he dipped a scone in his tea. What are you suggesting, doctor? Penelope asked. A final exam. We don't know whether or not she will hold up under pressure, because we've never put her under pressure. She needs a test. She's 16 now and should have been introduced to society already. We have to give her the chance to fail before we know whether or not she can succeed. I suggest we find a ball or some other social event we can introduce her to here in Paris. If she does well, then we can take her to New York and introduce her to society there. The older she gets, the less likely she will be acceptable. I think it's time for her to graduate from our little school. Do you think she can do it? Asked Odysseus. I think she can do it. I don't know if she will do it, but if she fails, we will have failed, and I don't believe it would be wise for her to marry at all. She may kill any man who weds her. She's stronger than you think, Penelope insisted. I understand her strength, but it's that strength that makes her dangerous. She wants to believe in a fantasy, but in that fantasy there are villains and there are heroes. No one she determines to be a villain in her story is safe from her. She will scheme, plot, and execute plans she sees as her fate. She believes herself to be a queen, so she will not submit herself to a husband, unless she believes that husband to be her king. Let's take this one step at a time. I need to find a ball. I have connections in Paris. I'm sure it won't take long. Let's put her through her final examination. She may just surprise us. Will she need an escort? Odysseus asked. Yes. A male escort, and any man she's alone with will be risking his life. The doctor reminded them. Only if she decides he's one of her villains. 
But what if she already believed he was one of the heroes? Penelope questioned. Who do you have in mind? Pollux wondered. Odysseus, Penelope answered. Wait, who's Odysseus? asked Odysseus. The ballroom was enormous, at least to me. There were more people in one place than I'd ever seen before, and everybody and everything seemed to glisten with gems. The women wore the finest jewelry, and the men tiny accents of gold sparkling in the lights of a thousand candles and gas lamps. Even the skirts on the tablecloths and chairs were embroidered with tiny glass beads. In the center of the ballroom, above everyone's head, hung an immense chandelier, made of thousands of crystals reflecting the light in all directions, like a million rainbows bouncing around, mixing and returning once again to bright white. If I was the most beautiful woman in the world, I thought, compared to this, I would be nothing. And the enormity of it all frightened me. I held tight to Odysseus's arm as he led me through the ballroom. Are you okay? He asked me. It's huge, was all I could reply. It's not really that big. There's only about a hundred, maybe a hundred and fifty people. Lucy wanted to be sure to pick a small event. A hundred and fifty people? I have never seen a hundred and fifty people at the same time. How am I supposed to meet everybody? What am I supposed to do? You don't have to meet them all. Just join the ladies, and if someone asks you to dance, fill out your dance card and join them if you wish. Try to talk to a couple of people. If you find a friend, it's okay if you stay with them most of the time. Relax. You'll do fine. Would you give me the honor of the first dance? You want to dance with me? <laughs> well, we've practiced together so many times in the barn. It'd be a shame not to see if I could manage it now. Please. Odysseus held out his hand for me and led me to the dance floor. The first dance was a folk dance, and so we danced in a group with three other couples. The eight of us kept spinning, turning, and weaving through each other. I couldn't help but smile, and my heart was racing when the music finally ended. I was happy to be able to catch my breath. Odysseus led me off the dance floor to a group of chairs where the women sat resting between dances. Wait here with these women. If someone approaches you, be gracious and civil. If they ask you to dance and you want to, you know what to do. You don't have to. If you'd like to just sit this out and watch, it's fine. I'll be nearby if you need me. Just call. Odysseus began to walk away. Odysseus! I called him back. It's Oscar, he said as he returned. This is too much. I don't think I can do it. Half an hour. I will check on you in half an hour. If you want to leave after that, we'll leave. Is that okay? Thirty minutes. Okay. I can do thirty minutes. That's my girl. Don't think too hard about it. Just enjoy the night. Go on. Go make friends. Yes, sir. I said determined to do my best, determined to make a friend. I turned to the chairs and looked at the girls waiting for men to offer to dance with them. Every one of them seemed flawless. Their dresses were the absolute newest fashions. Lace, stripes, embroidered with gems and jewelry, their hair swirling and styled, not a flaw on them, not an eyelash out of place. I was foolish to think I could be this beautiful. Penelope had taken me to have my dress tailored just before this ball, 
She used the money that had been coming in for years now. It was supposed to be the headmaster's salary. She told me she spent three months of what he would make on just the one gown. My jewelry was rented, and the shoes hidden beneath my dress had been purchased a month before to allow me time to practice in them and break them in. So they were not new, but Penelope had made sure to show me how to keep them looking new. She told me it would be better to have shoes that I was comfortable with than shoes fresh from the cobbler. I sat down next to a blonde girl who had an incredibly long neck. I held out my hand and said, Hi, my name is Helen, what's yours? The girl turned away from me, not answering. I love your dress. Was it made here in Paris? Everything here is so beautiful, I don't think I can compete. American? The woman said, looking at me. Yes, I'm American. Do you speak English? I can, but not for American, the woman said in French, assuming I couldn't understand her. Then she stood up and walked away. I may be American, but at least I'm not a bitch, I said to her, also in French. All other conversations stopped, and the girls turned to me. Their beautiful faces turned ugly with a sneer of disdain. I thought to myself, well, I only have twenty-nine minutes left to go. Then I heard a laugh, loud and strong, behind me. I turned to see a French officer in full uniform, medals pinned to his chest. Stripes I knew nothing about, nor what they meant decorating his arms. He laughed so openly, and the beauty that the woman had lost with her ugly sneer seemed to flood into him as his joy spread across his smiling face. <laughs> that was marvelous! You really don't hold back, do you, American? Why should I? She made her decision on how she was going to treat me. I only returned to her what she gave to me. And I would have not said it if it wasn't true. You have a lot to learn about society. And what should I learn? You never tell the truth. You say anything but. Why? Because that is how you play the game. What game? Oh, mademoiselle, there are so many games. And they shift and change, and you never aren't really sure which one you are playing now. Even with me, I will ask you one thing, and I will mean another. That is the nature of the game. What's the goal? How do I win? You get your opponent to admit what they want before you admit what you want. If you want to know what I want, why don't you just ask me directly? I won't lie to you. <laughs> I can't do that. I have to play the game. Do you not want to dance with me? I have not asked to dance. But I will dance with you, if that's what you wish. Now you're getting the hang of it. Come on to the dance floor this way. He held his arm for me to take, and I set my hand gently in the crook of his elbow, the women behind me fuming at my catch. The next dance was a waltz, and of all the dances I found the waltz to be the most appropriate example of my growing understanding of this type of social event. It was an intimate dance, just for two people, while at the same time public and shared with all the other couples on the dance floor. Two people close enough to kiss, but always spinning away from each other. At the same time they hold on, keeping each other close and always under the watchful eye of society. I wondered why they allowed such a dance. Surely, after working so hard to keep the girls pure and chaste, their chaperones would be opposed to something so intimate. But now I understood. The point of the dance 
was not to keep the girls away from the men, but close enough to give them a taste of affection, but no more. At least, not until an agreement was signed. The ballroom was not for dancing. It was a sales floor. Where have you gone? You seem so concerned, the soldier asked. I'm sorry, I was concentrating on the steps. I lied to him. Your dancing is marvelous. Where did you learn it? A witch taught it to me. <laughs> a witch? Were you hidden in a cabin made of candy in the forest? He smiled at me, trying not to laugh. Hidden, yes. But it was a barn, and it was made of wood. So, not candy unless you're a beaver. I believe you. It would explain how beautiful you look tonight. Obviously, you are under a spell. Should you shift back at midnight, perhaps you could leave a shoe behind. I think you have me all wrong. I'm not a fairy tale princess. Then what are you? Do you want to know? Is that what you'd like? He looked up and thought. Obviously, he didn't want to concede the game by admitting a desire. I wondered who he was. Could he be Paris? Menelaus? Possibly Achilles? I needed to know more about him. All right. I concede. I want to know. If you're not a fairy princess, then what are you? I will tell you, only if you answer me one question first, directly and truthfully. Ah, uh, the truth is so hard for us. But I will do my best. What is your question? He asked. Where were you born? You do not want to know my name, my rank, my family, just location. Your family does not concern me. I would not judge you by your family, as long as you didn't judge me by mine. I don't need to know your rank. I'm not a member of whatever military you represent. I needn't bow to you or expect you to bow to me. And my name? You don't want to know my name? I am trying to determine your name. Your true name. Consider it a magic spell. To look beyond the surface, deep into your soul, to know who you are. And, if you know where I was born, you could then divine who I truly am? No, not entirely, but I could either confirm or eliminate some of the possibilities. Now, tell me, where were you born? I was born here in Paris. Paris. That means he cannot be Paris. Somehow I was both relieved and disappointed. I was certain this man could not be Paris, but to have that possibility eliminated reminded me of the long journey I still had to take. You seem disappointed. Oh, well, I was hoping you were from somewhere a little more exotic. Like Egypt, or say, Turkey, maybe even Hong Kong. If you had been, and we got to know each other, you could have taken me there. Do you wish to travel? Only until I find what I'm looking for. And what are you looking for? No, no, no. I've already given you a bonus answer. Now you must decide. Do you want to know what type of story I'm telling you, or do you want to know what I'm looking for? Very well, my American princess. What type of story are you telling? He asked me as the music stopped, and we stared at each other standing on the dance floor. My story is a Greek tragedy doomed to end in death and sorrow. He took a step back. Does that scare you? I asked him. I am a soldier. 
I am not afraid of death, they replied. That is because you have not yet met him. I felt on display. I felt like the entire dance had stopped to watch me walk off the floor with the French soldier. The women I had left waiting for suitors to ask them to dance still seemed angry as they glared at me. Men seemed to watch me with varied expressions of both interest and contemplation. I held on to the arm of the soldier like an anchor in the storm, afraid if I let go of him, I would be lost. He led me to a table with refreshments. He took two glasses of champagne and handed one to me, keeping one for himself. Penelope had instructed me on how to drink properly. She showed me the different types of alcohol I would be expected to partake of. Champagne and wine and even some of the harder spirits. She showed me how to drink them slowly so that it did not appear that I was avoiding them, but I could also keep from becoming inebriated. Being drunk does not become a lady she had told me, too much, and you will begin to make bad decisions, acting on impulse instead of logic. This could have unintended consequences. It's best to keep your wits about you, to not be rude and snub your host by not drinking at all, but at the same time hold back enough to hold on to yourself. So I sipped lightly at my champagne as the soldier led me to the outdoor balcony. We were not alone, as there were many people enjoying the cool evening, a stark contrast to the warm ballroom. Tell me, what is your name? It's of no consequence. I am no one, an orphan, a criminal, a prisoner. Yes, maybe that is true. But even so, you must have a name. Or would you prefer I call you American for the rest of the night? It's not untrue. And it's an apt description, a category that few in the ballroom fall under, it will work as a name for the night. Then tell me, American, what is your crime? Did you kill a man in a gunfight? Not a gunfight, no. <laughs> well, tell me, what did you do? I started a war and destroyed a city. What city? It's not important. It doesn't exist anymore. Witches, magic spells, lost cities... I think you are better at the game than you pretend to be. I have been well trained. It would seem so. Another dance is about to begin. Would you like to dance? The soldier asked me, as couples shifted heading to the dance floor. I would like that. I told him as I took his arm. He set our glasses of champagne on the rail of the balcony. His was empty. Mine was still half full. So, you admit you want something. You are breaking the rules. You should always do what you're told not to. Why? I think you know why, I told him as we entered the ballroom. The dance was again a folk dance, and for the most part we were separated, spinning and weaving through the other couples. There was no time to talk to each other, as each step of the dance kept me moving as I was passed along from person to person. The song ended, and I was barely able to catch my breath. We all gave a light bow and curtsy to each other, then split up to head back off the dance floor. The soldier once again offered me his arm, and I took it. Just off the dance floor, a woman waited. She was young and pretty. She was wearing a yellow dress, woven with green accents. Its design was elegant, and yet somehow playful. Her smile was wide, and her long curly hair was pulled up as much as it could be, but pieces of it had worked themselves free and framed her face beautifully. 
Miss Taggett, she asked as I came closer. I am? Have we met? I asked her in return. I am the daughter of the hostess, and she wishes to speak with you. Could you please come with me? That is, if Captain Renault can spare you for a moment? Captain Renault, I asked him. Miss Taggett, he said with a slight bow. If you wouldn't mind, I will find you when you are done, he whispered. I would like that, I answered him. Remember, you are not supposed to admit what you would like. It's a game, especially when you talk to the lady. Good luck. He took my hand from his elbow, kissed the back of it, and then turned walking towards the refreshments. Captain Renault is an odd choice for you. How long have you known each other? The woman asked me. We just met, but he seems pleasant and friendly. That he is. But you should be cautious of him. Why? Fate? Now, come, mother wishes to speak with you. You're the daughter of the hostess? Mm, by marriage. What should I call her? Oh, well, I call her mom. She likes that. Everyone else just calls her Lady Venus, explained Psyche. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.